Hello and welcome to So What You're Saying Is. I'm Peter Whittle. Now, I'm delighted that my guest this week is Lord Green of Deddington. Lord Green is the founder of Migration Watch, which is the only independent body arguing for sensible controls on migration. Migration Watch was founded in 2001. Before that, Lord Green was a diplomat, indeed, ambassador to Saudi Arabia. Welcome to you, Lord Green. Thank you. Um, I wanted to start by asking you, because it's very current, uh, we've just had a report that comes from the ONSI, the, uh, that's the Office of National Statistics, so it's a government uh, body, that our population is going to increase by something like, they say, 3 million in 10 years. Mm. And I just wondered, it seems to have passed by with relatively little comment, something which I consider I think most people would, to be quite a big thing. Why do you think that is? Well, first of all, this is a quite extraordinary statistic. Yeah. It's nearly a million every three years. And a million is a population of Birmingham. Mm. Think of you know, what's involved in Birmingham. Every three years, that's what we have to build in terms of roads and railways and houses and business and jobs. This is massive. But almost more important is, almost for the first time, the official statisticians have admitted that 80% of the population increase is down to immigration. So what we face is a huge increase in our population, which is optional. And I don't know anybody who thinks that an extra million every three years is of itself a good idea. Skilled migrants, yes, of course. Yes. I mean, none of us are opposed to immigration in principle, quite the opposite. Yes. Um, but uh, it's the scale of it that mm. is our problem. Uh, and you've got to remember, we are one of the most crowded countries, major countries in the world. We're number five in the world. We are nearly twice as crowded as Germany, three and a half times as crowded as France. Now, why do we want any more people? Yeah. I mean, it, it, frankly, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And most of the public agree with us. It, it seems uh, to me as well that this might be an underestimate. Is that right, do you think? I mean, they're, they're, they are, as I understand it, they are uh, calculating this on the basis of 190,000 people a year. Uh, but isn't it more like 250,000 at the moment? The average of the past 10 years has been 250,000. The official statist statisticians have been very cautious about yeah. what they've said all the way through. And they underestimate, yes. We've been saying that for years, yes. Mm. And we're right. I see. With, um, with this, though, uh, to get back to my, my point originally, when I say it's passed without comment, it was in the papers, but when you consider that this is a huge number, as you say, mm. historically without precedent, really. Oh, absolutely. Um, why do you think that there is less discussion about this? Well, the, at present, it's because of Brexit. A Brexit drowns every other issue. Uh, in terms of salience, it's 60%. No other issue is more than about 17%. But isn't this so, really related to Brexit as well in a way, isn't it? Immigration was one of the main reasons people voted for Brexit. Oh, it absolutely was, yes. Uh, there's no question about that. Mm. Um, and the government have, have tried to ignore it. The Labour Party have tried to ignore it. Um, but in terms of the day-to-day -day press, when you've got the question, the big questions that Brexit are throwing up, we're sitting around waiting to be told what the EU will accept. Yes. Um, that's bound to hit the headlines more than this much longer term, but in my view, much more serious issue. Because after all, uh, the consequences of Brexit will be considerable, but in 10 or 20 years, we'll have gone through it, mm -hmm. we'll be in a different situation mm -hmm. one way or the other. Mm -hmm. 
But when it comes to immigration, we won't. I mean, these numbers are climbing, and they will continue to climb unless serious action is taken to reduce them. There's also been recently this announcement by the government uh, that they would pursue. I say they would because, in fact, you know what they can actually do at the moment is is, is a matter of conjecture. They would uh, pursue an Australian-style point system. Mm. Now, what what is your position on that? Well, I have to smile because um, the reason they talk about an Australian-style system is because the focus groups like it. And it, the Australians have the image of a tough country on immigration. That's why people like it. Right. But actually, it's completely inappropriate for the UK. Uh, their circumstances are completely different. They're trying to grow their population. Uh, we're, um, I don't know, hundreds of times more crowded than they are. Um, so it's not really relevant. What the government will now have to do is to produce some proposals that arguably look faintly like the Australian system. Yeah. But for a start, the Australians put a cap on uh, uh, migration for work. Right. Uh, it depends on that. Mm. Now, the one thing that this government say they don't like is caps. Mm. Mm. So, you know, they're, they're in some difficulty. But uh, it will be possible to produce something that can be called Australian, but it has to reduce the numbers. Mm. And that is the missing link. Uh, what the government have done is last two days before the Christmas break, they slipped out a white paper right. on their future uh, immigration policy saying, we're going to treat the whole world the same because now we're free or will be free of the European Union. However, there are some absolutely key elements in that which have not been properly examined. Such as? Just to stick to the two main ones. Yes. The first is there is a proposal to reduce the level of qualification required for a skilled worker from degree level to A level. Right. Huge difference. Secondly, they want to reduce the uh, 30,000 uh, salary requirement for a skilled worker to something could be 25, could even be 21,000 pounds a year. Now, if you do those two things, we calculate that we will expose 9 million British workers, 9 million to either new or increased foreign competition. Right. And what's more, there's no requirement to advertise it first in the UK. I mean, this is going to be terribly damaging mm. to British workers. And what are Labour saying about it? Nothing. Yeah. You know, it's just not good enough, frankly. So, so basically, the Conservatives are, the Conservatives are actually liberalising liberalizing the position, are they not? There's a serious risk, and not just that they'll liberalise it, which is what this certainly implies, but that it will run out of control. Mm. I mean, it's much easier to loosen controls than to tighten them. And once you've changed the law, it gets very difficult to tighten it again, and then you've got people caught halfway and so on. It's fatal mm. to let loose uh, uh, the pressures on immigration to this country, which have been very substantial now for 20 years. When you when you look at those uh, twenty years, uh, uh, I want to talk about the role of the Labour government a bit later. But you look at those twenty years. Um, you know, do you think that it's extraordinary that here you have what is it? Always about sixty to sixty-five percent of the population saying we are concerned about these numbers, mm. and yet successive governments entirely ignoring them. 
it's astonishing. I mean, first of all, you say 60% odd. You're absolutely right. I mean, we published a paper a few months ago which examined six opinion polls. Not our opinion polls. We didn't pay for them. We didn't choose the questions. These are six polls by four different organisations. And the calculation from all of them is that 30 million people want to see, UK adults I'm talking about, yeah. want to see immigration reduced yeah. uh, in Britain. 18 million want to see it reduced by a lot. Right. And do you know how many want to see it increased? No, how many? Five and a half million. Right, okay. So those who want okay. it reduced are five, more than five times greater than those who want to see it increased. And that's exactly the point you're making, isn't it? Yeah. And those are the numbers behind it, yeah. but that's the point you're making. How is it that uh, a Conservative government has failed to achieve it? I think, to be fair, two points. One is it was Labour that let it loose, and we'll come to that later, I hope. But the second is that the Cameron government did seek to reduce it, um, and certainly Theresa May did. She was focused on that. Yep. The problem is within government that uh, all the other departments want to see it increased, mm. starting with the Treasury, who are very powerful, because it makes the economy bigger, it looks better. But actually, there is no evidence that uh, immigration adds significantly, anyway, to uh, what's called GDP per head, production per head. Yes. That's what your wealth depends on. The, mm. you know, mm. you, the amount each person on average produces goes up. No evidence for that. Nor is there any evidence that it increases productivity. Uh, we've had uh, productivity in the UK flat for 10 years or more, and immigration has gone up like that. Mm. So if there was a positive effect, uh, there's no sign of it. So despite the economic case being extremely shaky, you do have people like the Treasury arguing for it. You have even people like the Minister of Defence who want to recruit people from overseas. Yes. Of course, you have the National Health Service who have simply failed to train their own staff. So you've got all these people who want it, plus, and this is important in a Conservative government, plus uh, business, which is making money out of it, to put mm. it bluntly and simply. They're making a lot of money out of it, and they don't want to see it change. So they are making money, but the country as a whole does not. So I remember, um, and you would know better than, than anybody, there was an all-party uh, committee about immigration. It must be over 10 years ago now. And it came out saying that, in fact, the economic advantage was negligible. Mm. That was about 2008, I think. This was actually the House of Lords uh, yes. Immigration Committee, yeah, um, Economic Committee. Yeah. Yes, uh, they did. They said... Evidently, to, the, to their surprise, they said, we have now found no evidence that uh, net migration adds to GDP per head. Mm. Ignored. Mm. Not convenient. Not what the bosses wanted to see. Mm. <coughs> when you've always been at Migration Watch rigorously statistical, evidence-based, and, and obviously that lends itself, I would have thought, very well to the economic arguments. But there are also huge social consequences aren't there of migration and I'm thinking that you know there is the view that even if one accepted that there was an economic advantage in some way that maybe those social advantages uh, or disadvantages might actually um, weigh the other way I mean wouldn't you say that that's the case 
I'd certainly say that there is a case for immigration, yes, as, a, as I said at the beginning. Uh, we have no difficulty with immigration. Yeah. Uh, it does add to the variety in our country. It brings new ideas. It brings people with, who are bilingual. Mm. It uh, produces ballet dancers, uh, artists, uh, architects. But I mean, this, is not the, this is not the typical experience of most people, is well, it? Well, exactly not. No, exactly not. Uh, that is not what most people out in uh, the uh, countryside mm. perceive. It's not what they have. Um, and the majority of uh, immigrants are not in that kind of category. Uh, what the ordinary people, like where I live, uh, what they perceive is that the GP surgeries get more and more crowded, yes. that the council houses uh, are full of immigrants. Now, it may be that they are council houses that have been privatised uh, and are now being let out to immigrants, but if you're just an ordinary person in the street, you don't know that. All you know is that an area that was full of Brits is now full of foreigners. Mm -hmm. So from the point of view of ordinary people, there is not much benefit from this. Mm -hmm. And they know it, hence the numbers that we discussed earlier. When you started Migration Watch 2001, um, <coughs> was it easier or more difficult to discuss immigration than, than compared to now? I think in a sense it was easier, uh, partly because we were first in the field and <laughs> nobody right, else was okay. prepared to talk about it, yeah. um, uh, partly because our whole approach was to set out the facts, um, and we've been doing that now for mm. nearly 20 years, mm. uh, and people know that that is what we're doing. So that makes us, um, to a certain extent, bulletproof. Mm. Not entirely bulletproof, there are people who want to attack you in any case. Mm. Um, but we were new, uh, the, s the subject was new, it was, the numbers were just taking off, and we predicted that they would take off, by the way. Mm. Um, we said in 10 years' time there'll be 2 million immigrants. Mm. We were rubbished uh, at the time, this was in 2002. 10 years' time, it was 2 million. Mm -hmm. And again with the Rom Romanians and Bulgarians, we said they're going to be 50,000 a year, rubbished at the time. What's the number? 50,000. Yeah. So we've been consistently right in these uh, mm. projections and have made consistent arguments, uh, economic and statistical arguments, which people have found very difficult to counter. Indeed, they haven't. Mm. But you said, was it easier or more difficult? It's now more difficult, I would say, because people are much more nervous about the racial aspect. Uh, and I think that is what makes people pretty nervous about the subject, and there's no need to be. Um, you know, this isn't about race. but. Uh, the present opposition, the Labour Party, are trying to make it about race in order to deter people from stating their view. And that, that undermines democracy, actually. If you feel that on a subject that's important to you, we better not talk about it. Mm. I mean, you're mm. completely undermining the democratic process, in my view. But haven't they always done this? Haven't they always tried to make it, close it down by talking about people being racist and whatever? I mean, this, as, far as, I, as long as I can remember, that's sort of been the argument. I mean, I'm very alarmed that you think um, that, in fact, it's actually uh, more difficult now. That's also my perception. It seems like it's an issue that's been kind of kicked into the long grass again? Well, uh, when I started, as I say, we were sticking to the facts very carefully yeah. and rightly. Um, I was a former ambassador, yeah. I'd served for, I don't know, um, 15 years in the Arab world. I mean, it's quite hard to call me a racist. Mm. <laughs> you don't mm. join the Foreign mm. Service mm. if you're a racist. So w we were quite well placed 
from that point of view, and there was less general nervousness. I think there's now more. Um, I think to some extent it's, it's deliberately generated by the opposition, by the Labour Party and by the Liberal Democrats, mm. um, to deter uh, those who want to see immigration brought under control. What about, though, Andrew, the role of the media in this? You talk about the <coughs> Liberal Party, Labour Party, and we sort of all know that. Um, but when it comes to sort of the broader establishment, for want of a better word, I mean, with the media, how has your attitude to the media's role changed in, what is it, nearly 20 years now with Migration Watch? How has your attitude to them changed? Well, I have to say I'm disappointed with the BBC. Mm. Um, in the first place, it was new material, new subject. Um, I had a certain amount of time on the BBC although usually on Radio 5 Live. Uh, the BBC regarded immigration as something the peasants are concerned, you know, football and things like that. Yeah. Um, Radio 4 didn't much like it, although I was on the Today programme from time to time. But increasingly, it's clear that um, they are um, not willing to present the issue in a balanced and objective way. Mm. And that's not just my opinion. Uh, senior... BBC people, as they retire, will tell you that they hadn't understood. Uh, John Humphreys was the latest yeah. one. You know, he said, yeah. well, BBC never grasped the significance of this. Yeah. Uh, and other, the head of the television said the same a few years before. So there's no question that the BBC are um, disposed in favour of immigration. It's part of their worldview. They're entitled to that. What they're not entitled to do is to slant their coverage. Mm. And in my view, that's what they're doing. Can you sort of give us any uh, examples of how they would do that? I mean, for example, when you say start their coverage, I mean, is it sort of, do they underplay the figures, for example? How, how would they do that? They uh, report the figures accurately and briefly if they have to. Mm, I see. Uh, in other material, uh, they are not so balanced. Right. I'll give you one example. Um, a leading BBC man, I better not name him, perhaps, uh, produced a, I think, 40-minute, 60-minute programme about immigration about a year or so ago. And I was asked if I would appear, and I said, yeah, of course. The appointment was changed five times, and finally uh, they cancelled it. Really? And they cancelled it when the main presenter got involved. I see. I shan't mention his name, although I'm tempted to. No, no. But I think this will be not come as a surprise to, to many people listening uh, and watching uh, this kind of attitude. It's not just the BBC. We talk about the BBC because it's the main media. It's, it's the nucleus, if you like, and also we pay for it. Um, but I would say generally media-wise, there is a kind of scepticism about the immigration argument. I They... They tend to be pro-migration, don't they? They tend, the broadcast media, I mean. Well, I think they're citizens of um, what I would call the chattering classes, Yes. Um, particularly in London. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, they don't like the subject. They don't want to deal with it. They certainly don't want to deal with the case against it. Mm. But I remember uh, talking to a producer privately. This is years ago, 10 years ago. I won't name him. Uh, and, and I had seen a certain amount of him. And I asked him about the workings of the Today programme. And he said to me, if as a producer you suggest in the sort of morning meeting that maybe Migration Watch 
should be uh, consulted or invited to speak. He said the sort of silence in the room. Mm. That's how it's done, I think. Yes. Um, we go back to talk about if you look at the broad picture of of migration, say since 1990. Uh, Essentially, it was the advent of the Blair Labour government which changed so much, wasn't it, Andrew? I mean, before then, as I understand it, net migration was around about 50,000. And then from the, the moment, almost, 1997, the Labour government seems to have been entirely pivotal in changing the course of migration. Do you say that's right? Absolutely right. Mm. Absolutely right. Um, it changed beyond recognition under the, under the Blair government. Mm. It was done by underhand methods. And indeed, <laughs> to the extent that Blair's memoirs barely mention immigration, mm. despite having transformed the situation. Mm. But it so happens that one of their members blew the gaff. This was the um, case of... Uh, somebody called Andrew Nether. Andrew Nether, Now, yes. he was a speechwriter for Tony Blair. He then went to the Home Office and wrote, uh, himself says he, he wrote the draft of the, uh, the um, speech that uh, Mrs. Roach gave. That this is Barbara Roach. Barbara Roach. Yes. She was then the Minister of Immigration yes. that kicked off this whole thing. And if I may, I'd like to quote some sentences yes, from his article ten years later in the um, Evening Standard. Yes. Uh, I've got so it this here. would have been around about 2008? 2009 it was. 2009. Exactly 10 years ago. Mm. 10 years ago yesterday, I think. Okay. It makes the most extraordinary reading. Yes. Today, in the light of how it all turned out. Uh, what he was doing, uh, there was uh, some concern about the scale of immigration. Um, and his article was entitled, Don't Listen to the Wingers, London Leads Immigrants. Yes. And he says... Um, What's missing is not only a sense of the benefits of immigration, but also of where it came from. Now listen. He says this. It didn't just happen. The deliberate policy of ministers from late 2000 until at least February last year, 2009, when the government introduced a points-based system, was to open up the UK to mass immigration. That from a man who had been yeah. at the heart of government. He then went on to explain how it had been done. Uh, he said later, um, uh, he, he wrote that London's role as a magnet for immigration busted wide open the stale 1990 cliches about multiculturalism. It's a question of genuine diversity now, not just tacking a few Afro-Caribbean and Bengali events Onto the, white, onto the white British mainstream. His words, not mine. Yes. Then he says, so why is it that ministers have been so very bad at communicating this? I wonder. Because I wrote the landmark speech given by the then immigration ministers we discussed, Barbara Roach, September 2000, calling for a loosening of controls. It marked a major shift from the policy of previous governments. Didn't it just? Mm. He then refers to the unit that, that did the think piece and he says that um, this report on which the policy was based was surrounded by an unusual air of both anticipation and secrecy. Drafts were handed out in the summer of 2000 only with extreme reluctance. There was a paranoia about it reaching the media. I mean, just listen to this. Mm. 
it gets worse. Mm. I mean, this is extraordinary. So it's oh, it factual. Is. He was there. Yes, yes. He has made, he and his mates, have made a fantastic difference to our society by means of conspiracy. Mm. It's nothing else. But the earlier drafts I saw also included a driving political purpose, that mass immigration was the way that the government was going to make the UK truly multicultural. I remember coming away from some discussions with the clear sense that the policy was intended, even if it wasn't its main purpose, to rub the right's nose in diversity and render their arguments out of date. That seemed to me to be a manoeuvre too far. At least he said that. Mm. He goes on, I've nearly finished this, but it is so important. Ministers were very nervous about the whole thing, for despite Barbara Roach's keenness to make her big speech and to be up front, there was a reluctance elsewhere in government to discuss what increased immigration would mean, above all, wait for it, above all for Labour's core white working class vote. Yes. Indeed yeah. so. Yeah. And then he admits, I have nearly finished, um, the results were, d were dramatic. In 1995, 55,000 foreigners, uh, a few years later, trebled. So you couldn't have clearer evidence. No, exactly. Of course, the Labour Party have said nothing about this. They were told to clam up, nothing was said. But don't you think, it, it, Andrew, it's extraordinary that this, I remember this very clearly. And Do it you? Was it didn't have much coverage. It didn't have, that's the point. No, no. It, it was commented on, but it did not have coverage when you consider the magnitude Absolutely. of what was being said. Exactly. So. Which I think really, really tends to confirm what you were saying earlier. I mean, essentially, you know, um, this, you're talking about a, a, a media, broadcast media particularly, who are pro-immigration. What was interesting about that article by Andrew Neither too was that um, he's entirely for this, actually, isn't yes. he? Yes. It's not like this is not a criticism. He's entitled to his view. Yes. What he's not entitled to do as a civil servant or a political advisor, take part in a conspiracy to deceive the British public with a view to changing the whole nature of our society. It's outrageous. Do you think that, uh, as well, that electoral advantage played any part in any of this? Um, I mean, in terms of, for example, you know, Labour Party, think, well, actually, essentially, we have many new voters here. I think at the time, uh, the motivation was what he described it to be. Yeah. Uh, that is to make Britain much more multicultural. Um, I think that is changing, mm. uh, and I think that the growth of the immigrant communities um, and the disparity between their voting, uh, in the sense that something like 65% of black voters vote Labour, and um, I think uh, in other communities it is not as strong as that, yeah, but, yeah. but the immigrant voters, voters tend to vote Labour. So yes, I think now we're in a situation where Labour want to build on that mm. um, and to take an example um, the Windrush affair mm. uh, has been weaponized by Labour against the Conservatives well first thing to say is this went on for 50 years under both governments mm. um, and uh, uh, secondly that uh, you can't blame civil servants for it they didn't know the technicalities of someone who arrived in the 1950s mm. My chairman, Alp Mehmet, is by this standard uh, uh, a, 
um, a Windrush child. He's done extraordinarily well. He was an ambassador. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's being deliberately we weaponized and rather effectively. Do you think that there will ever be a time, do you think, can you envisage circumstances in which, for, for example, we could return to a situation where there are, say, net 50,000, you know, coming into Britain, like there was, unless people who, apart from people who were on the real extremes, most people were, ha were perfectly fine with that situation. You know, they're not against migration, as you said, quite rightly. And that seemed to be a perfectly commonsensical amount. Um, that can't be returned to, can it, or can it? We can't get back down to 50,000, no, because once you accept people as immigrants, they have certain rights to bring in some of their relatives, not all of them, but some relatives or spouses or whatever. Um, so that is, that is beyond the possible, I think. You could get it down to 100, which was, of course, their target, but you'd need to take a whole range of measures over time and tighten up the system. Yes. Uh, that is what is necessary. That is what Mrs May was trying to do. She didn't succeed because of opposition within within the government, among other things. So um, it will not be easy to, to get this back to a sensible level. But the problem is this. The problem is you've got 30 million people, and I, you know this is absolutely serious stuff. Mm. You've got 30 million people who want it reduced, mm. and there are no serious proposals by either party to get it down. No. Now, I think that's really bad for our democracy. And frankly, I don't think Brexit is good for our democracy. People are sick and tired of Brexit and, and the contortions of the various elements of government. Mm -hmm. But they'll be touched also by a failure of uh, immigration policy. Mm -hmm. And the risk is this, that if the Conservative government remain in power, if they implement the proposals that they've outlined in their white paper in the manner that they've been indicating, it's not that immigration will not come down, it will go up. Yes, yes. The average of the last 10 years, I mentioned 250,000. It has touched a third of a million. Now, there are an awful lot of uncertainties about the, the shape of the future, but it's by no means impossible that it go up again to a third of a million or more. And then we will have again a situation where uh, the governing parties are completely out of touch, mm -hmm. out of sync with the weight of public opinion, and that is very serious. I mean, I know we, we talked about this earlier, but it seems to me that they they don't quite care whether they're out of touch. This is the ter you know this has been a very consistently measured um, opinion, hasn't it, in the public? You know, for for a couple of decades, and it seems to make no difference. I just a, a couple of more things, really, Andrew. I, I think it seems also that the current situation of mass migration is being justified retrospectively by changing the history, if you like. <laughs> mm. So you <coughs> hear a lot now that Britain is a nation of immigrants and it's almost like, you know, actually we're going to sort of like adjust history to, to suit the current situation. Mm. That's what they have tried to do with some success. Yes. And the fact of the matter is that the foreign born population in the year 1900 was about 2%. Yes. It's now 14%. Yes. Um, we're probably one of the most um, consistent populations in the world because yes. we're an island. Yes. Um, uh, so that uh, foreign migration is, has been 
foreign to our culture until effectively about 1950 or so. Mm. Since when it's gone up very sharply, uh, we now have one child, one baby in three mm. born to a, having one foreign parent. Um, so there has been a huge impact, but not because we're a nation of in immigrants, but because the Labour government lost control of immigration and the Conservatives failed to bring it under control. Uh, we we mm -hmm. hear an awful lot of the Huguenots are pressed into uh, into service an awful lot, yes. aren't they? In the in the seventeenth, uh, eighteenth yes. centuries, sixteenth yes. century, yes. <clears throat> I, th I believe it was something like between fifty and a hundred thousand Huguenots over a period of a century. Yes, that's right. Uh, exactly. We're now talking yeah. about two hundred fifty thousand a year. Um, you know. Yes. Uh, <coughs> thank you very much for 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 joining us and doing talking about this. It's uh, extraordinary uh, and also. I just w really want to, to to finish by asking. I sort of asked this, but do you do you feel that the argument is going to get harder to make for sensible migration? Do you think it's actually going to be harder looking to the future than it has been even until now? No, I don't think so. I think you've got to be prepared to make the arguments yeah. uh, and I think you've got to have a thick skin and get on with it. Yes. Um, but I think the sheer facts of the matter are going to alert public opinion. Yeah. They're, already, they're already aware of it privately. You talk to people around the countryside, they do not like what's happening. That's mm. the fact of the matter mm. and most MPs know it. Now, if we get into the situation I described where uh, the numbers start climbing up again, then we'll be in a new political situation altogether. Mm. Um, and I think people will insist that action is taken to preserve the society that our predecessors have built, have fought for, have died for. Uh, and it's just, to me, unacceptable that uh, that should be thrown away. Well, on that note, thank you very, very much, Andrew, for coming in. Thank you. Thanks for watching uh, So What You're Saying Is. Uh, we will see you next time. Um, please do subscribe in the meantime. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.